Welcome to FF Plus, a new spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. Here you will find a little bit of everything, from what's been entertaining us, to trailer reactions, industry hot topic conversation, and even film award predictions. We hope you'll enjoy this addition to the Feelin' Film lineup and join us each week. Now, on to the show. Hello, listeners, and welcome to a new episode of FF Plus, and the first time in a long time. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and not with me for this episode is Patrick. He is not here, and until the theaters open back up, I'm going to be covering some new releasing films on VOD with hopefully just a group of different critic friends uh, for you to meet and get to know, and the first of which here with me for today is Calvin Kempf, also a member of the Seattle Film Critics. Hey, man, thanks for uh, coming on. I appreciate this. Very happy to be here. I was just listening to your Martian episode where you said it's Positivity Month and uh, happy to be here for Boy State and uh, Project Power. Well, I guess they're both sort of about power, huh? In, in a yeah, weird they... way. We could, we could theme this and be like, yeah, these are movies um, about very different <laughs> ways about gaining power, but actually... Maybe let's say like empowering the youth in some sense Uh, that's actually very true i think that there is some metaphorical stuff to project power we can get to listeners this is going to be spoiler free so if you haven't listened to an ff plus episode i haven't done one like this in i think over a year now Uh, it's been a while since we've covered any new films in this format but this is a spoiler free quick look at some films that are releasing soon and we just wanted to give you our thoughts about what we, you know, see whether or not it's something that you should check out. Really grateful to be here. And if you want to check out more of my stuff, the twingeeks.com is my website. Outstanding. Yeah, definitely do that. Uh, you've got both writing and a podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we're rolling on three podcasts now, looking at a fourth. So uh, you know how it is constantly expanding the network. It's addictive. Addictive. It's so and, addictive. And More then, so than writing. Like there's there's like a dopamine fix once you release one of these things. There really is. And then you have to maintain it. And you realize, oh yeah, <laughs> now I'm trying to record four podcasts every week and I don't have the time for that. But hopefully Dopamine goes down each time. <laughs> yeah. Well listeners, we're gonna start off by talking about Project Power. Project Power is coming to Netflix on August the fourteenth. It stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. The synopsis is this, a former soldier teams up with a cop to find the source behind a dangerous pill that provides temporary superpowers. Now, if you haven't seen the trailer for this, I'm going to describe it very simply. It's basically the plot of Limitless, only the pill only lasts for five minutes, and the pill gives you random powers. So, essentially, it's a Russian roulette style of a pill. These characters are able to take this, and you might turn into the Human Torch for five minutes, you might become invisible for five minutes, or you might explode. (laughs) And you really just don't know what you're going to get until you pop the pill. And the story follows that former soldier, in this case being Jamie Foxx, who is looking for his daughter, and the cop being Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is set in New Orleans. Dominique Fishback plays a young lady who is on the streets and trying to make do. She is dealing this pill uh, for side money in order to take care of her ailing mother. So, Calvin, first of all, like I was excited about this when I saw 
the trailer. I thought the yeah. trailer was really good. It got me hyped. I was like, this is a neat idea. Five minutes worth of superpowers. But I went in very reserved because this is Netflix. And so you yeah. can only get so hyped about a Netflix action movie. I got to ask, what was your first reaction when you watched this? Did it satisfy your curiosity, first of all? I, I would say that I was in it for Jamie Foxx. I've been a Jamie Foxx fan for a while. I mean, Django, just incredible Western and such a unique spin. And Ray, um, he's great as Ray Charles. I don't know if it's my favorite movie, um, not a favorite biopic, but I, I think he's very competent. And uh, just seeing him in this role, I was excited for a return of Jamie Foxx. And uh, that that's as much as I got excited about it, I'd say. So the action of the movie, is that kind of not your thing or did you how did you feel about like seeing the action in this one because I, i'll tell you i actually enjoyed the action i think that okay. the action in this movie is pretty okay <laughs> that's that's my compliment for netflix it's pretty okay <laughs> yeah it's not it's, terrible like seeing the different powers i found to be interesting it's fascinating i, I mean that's like the trick that's why i was like in it for so long is i want to see someone be engulfed in flames for five minutes and um, knowing there's a limitation on it. It's like, when are you going to use it? What are you going to do? That's interesting to me. Uh, thinking about this film specifically, like shot in 2018, I, I just looked at like the editing structure of that. Like, uh, okay, you take two more years to edit a film that shot. It takes a lot of digital work, of course, but uh, the way scenes were kind of fragmented together and occasionally placed in places that didn't really have like a cohesive action set piece for me. It feels like it was always almost at a climax. Um, and it maintained that feeling for me throughout. Um, so baseline competent, I think, but I, I wouldn't go a lot further. Uh, none of my favorite action shots of the year or anything. No, there's definitely not that. The effects work is more what I would, I think, point to. Just watching someone burst into flames in this film was kind of cool. Seeing the different way that the freezing powers or Jamie Foxx has a really interesting spin on a power that comes out later in the film and it's it's really cool to watch it but outside of those powers and seeing them explored in very small sections of the film the in-between and the kind of a to b plotting of this movie is really what lost me it, so yeah. it drops you in right away right like you it's good when it starts yeah yeah it, it shows you okay this pill is on the streets of new orleans Clearly, it's been there for just a little bit. It's starting to spread. It's becoming a known commodity. You have this organization that is creating this pill, and they're essentially testing it on the streets of New Orleans. And they, as they mentioned in the film, a few other places, they don't tell where. But the idea is they're, seeing, they're wanting to see it catch on before they go to mass production. And so they can, of course, make as much money as possible and make this thing a worldwide deal. Yeah. Um, like any drug, <laughs> like any, of course, <laughs> that's how it always goes. Yeah. Like and this. so, you know, I, I actually liked that setup. I thought that setup was kind of cool. What really fell flat for me, in addition to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's attempted accent. What he, is it? Is it New Orleans accent? What's it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be Cajun. I it's think bad. it's, it's very bad. Yeah. It's, it's way bad. And I would rather, and he doesn't, it's not consistent either. So those are the worst kind of accents. Like I would rather have, an absolutely horrible accent that is always there yeah. <laughs> than no accent slash terrible accent back and forth. But the lack of character development for me was a real problem. We don't really see them develop much. We don't see them grow. We don't see them 
have a lot of interactions outside of the action parts of the movie. There, you know, there's a little bit there between, I would say, Dominique Fishback's character and Jamie Foxx's character. But outside of that, it's not enough for me to like latch onto and care about. Yeah. I need, I need something right after that, like really hot opening segment where there's like all the Dutch angles of the artistic, like, uh, building. And then, then we get like the action set piece. It's all so fun. And then, Right after that, I need something about his daughter, like something about why he's doing this. Uh, that comes about three-fourths into the movie. Uh, you, you get a little bit more emotional subtext. That would have kind of held me if I got that really early on. Uh, something to identify the characters' relationship with each other right away. Instead of like building them all as like, oh, here's a separate cop life, here's a student dealing, and here's this guy. Uh, it's not enough for me right away. Yeah, I would agree. And I also found it to be an interesting attempt, I would say, at having a sociopolitical message in the middle of this movie. So on the surface, it would be about superpowers and what their effects would be if you could only take this pill for five minutes. And that's fun enough to explore. But the movie really does, I think, try to sell us on this issue uh, a very real issue of who has power and what is power is it having a pill that allows you to be superhuman in your strength or is it something that's within you that you need to discover and then take advantage of and then it expands on that by commenting on what it means for the system to hold your power back and i think it resonates a little bit Mm-hmm. Right in this time right now, because we're talking yeah. about, you know, an African-American young woman who is a rapper in this film and nobody wants to give her any love for that. No one wants to believe that that's something that she could actually do as a living. They want to project onto her and they want her to fit into a mold. And so the movie sort of comments on it, but it, it was a little... The problem for me is like, if you're going to do that, it needs to be all the way through your film and it needs to be very strong. And I felt like it was just kind of slapped in there at the end and it didn't yeah. really have the same sort of resonance for me because of that. You got like the dream sequence, which is kind of cool, but you hope it's not a dream. You know, um, you, you feel like there's all this imagination within her head and then what reality imposes on her. She's out uh, dealing the drugs or doing whatever else. Um uh, Fishback, we know from like The Hate You Give and a few other films. And like I said, it's been two years since it's shot. So she's an older teenager now. She's not going to like get a, a teen role like this off of this or something. So it's, it's a weird, weird time lapse there. It is. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that until you brought it up either, but that actually makes a lot more sense. It doesn't feel like a movie that was just made in the last nine or so months. <laughs> no, it feels like, it feels like what Netflix was doing two years ago too. Like a, 2017, they got the spec script for this, which is like a, I think Marvel has something called Powers that's a lot like this, but, uh, they do. It feels like something that they would have developed early on, like Netflix movies. Like they were just starting to feel their way around, like giving people budgets and, uh, go make whatever you want now, you know? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, the, I like it. Legitimacy of like telling a new, somewhat new or interesting spin on an old story that's not something we've ever seen. I just kept thinking, this premise is so good. And yeah, it's so good. I want to see the Christopher Nolan movie on, on <laughs> in IMAX that deals with this premise that goes so much deeper, you know, on a philosophical level. And then, 
the one thing I will say I did really appreciate about the film at the end, there's no romance. And yeah, that's extremely a- rare. There's a bromance of sorts between, you know, a couple of characters, but there's not any sort of like emotional, romantic, loving relationship outside of parental or friendship. And I thought that was a nice choice. Yeah, it totally passes Bechdel test for a character or whatever that is. And um, I feel that uh, she's competently written and probably at the core of the show. I like Jamie Foxx so much. I wish he got to do a little bit more. But uh, it's funny because I always want for something different than like the Marvel DC structure. Then we get this opportunity for something a little bit divergent. And it's a uh, and that I kind of I kind of want some of those elements back in. But, you know, not the whole way through. Go figure. Right. Yeah. Never satisfied. But, you know, <laughs> Never. I think you could do worse is, is going to be my final thought on this. You know, it's for free. If you subscribe to Netflix, you're not going to pay to get to this movie. But yeah. it's there. It's Friday night. You're bored. You want to watch something new? You could do worse. That's... Releasing like the same week of Umbrella Academy. It's kind of like, uh, which are you going to go with? You oh, know? well, yeah, I guess if That's you're into tough. TV shows, you probably probably would lean toward the series. But if you're the kind of person that just wants to watch a fun action movie with some actors you recognize, it's not awful. It's just yeah. absolutely nothing special or memorable either. Maybe you watch that series and this comes up and your suggestion is watch this. It, I, everyone likes Jamie Foxx. Why not do it? All right. Well, our next movie that we're going to talk about is a documentary and it is called Boys State. Boys State will be coming to Apple TV Plus via Apple and A24 partnership on August the 14th as well. And the synopsis goes like this. The sensational winner of the Grand Jury Prize for Documentary at this year's Sundance Film Festival, this year being 2020, if you're listening to this in the future, is a wildly entertaining and continually revealing immersion into a week-long annual program in which a thousand Texas high school seniors gather for an elaborate mock exercise to build their own state government. Filmmakers Jesse Moss and Amanda McBain closely track the escalating tensions that arise within a particularly riveting gubernatorial race training their cameras on unforgettable teenagers like Ben, who is a Reagan-loving arch-conservative, brimming with confidence despite personal setbacks, and Stephen, who is a progressive-minded child of Mexican immigrants, who stands by his convictions amidst this sea of red. (laughs) I love how they word that. In the process, they have created a complex portrait of contemporary American masculinity, as well as a microcosm of our often dispiriting national political divisions that nevertheless manages to plant seeds of hope. That is a very long synopsis that they went with on this movie, but it is also extremely accurate and, you know, very thorough. So I know you love docs. I'm glad I got to have you on to talk about this. I'm just going to throw this to you right off the bat. So we knew about this probably before maybe even our listeners listening to this for the first time right now would have known about this because it was a Sundance film. And we usually are checking that as film critics. Were you excited about getting a chance to see this one? Did you know much about it before it going into it? Um, Ten million at Sundance is quite a figure for a documentary. Like that's that's a figure I haven't heard of. Like a pickup for a documentary, ten million. Um, we're starting to get more toward people will pay for these. People will subscribe to a service and uh, they will binge the documentaries there. It's very popular on content services like Netflix, Apple. So uh, it makes a lot of sense to me to shell out that much money and. For something that matters right now, but it's going to matter a whole hell of a lot in a couple of months. Yeah, I, you know, I knew about the documentary as well. I knew the financial situation behind it and was in awe, wondering 
why in the world would someone pay this much for a documentary? I mean, what what costs ten million for like boys doing uh, government? That, right. Like, there's what is the, what is there interesting? I mean, there's not special effects in this. It's it's very simplistic in nature of how it's shot, even. But there was something about it. I didn't know what boy state was going into it, and so. Mm. You know, if you didn't pick it up from that very, you know, verbose <laughs> synopsis that I read, listeners, essentially, boy state and there's also a girl state just are these events where hundreds of men or women come together, separated into their gendered uh, versions in different states for this like week long mock government exercise. And they go through this process of running for offices, whether it's Senate, House, Governor, Speaker, Chairman, all these different positions that they have to actually campaign against their fellow students for. They're separated into parties, and it's not necessarily in alignment with their actual personal political views, which I found fascinating because it kind of forces them to consider trying to sell or support a position that they may not agree with. And that was one of the more interesting concepts of watching this play out is how the shifting of alliances works when it comes to your political convictions. And I'll tell you, Calvin, it was terrifying watching this happen because we get such a ground level view of some of these conversations that they're having where they're trying to parse out what issues to put on their ticket what are they gonna go for what's their campaign gonna be about and i guess the filmmakers had chosen this particular state boys state in texas to cover because in the previous year before they filmed it the boys had voted to secede from the union (laughs) so so that's what we're talking about here and so I mean, many of these guys are extremely gun-loving characters, and as it said, they're very ultra-conservative, but yet half of them get put in a position where they've kind of got to run with a little more of a progressive agenda, and they will straight up be honest about it and talk about how some of these kids already believe, like, I've got to lie. I have to lie, or I have to shift away from my convictions in order to get something else I want done. And that scared the heck out of me. <laughs> yeah. If we're talking about feelings for this film, horrified is a good, uh, is a good end feeling. That's my end result. Of this, um, it's such a good microcosm of the country and the country's politics because the same things happen under a microscope with children. Uh, they watched everything on TV. They go there. They talk about, wasn't Trump's campaign speech really good? Isn't make America great again. The, the right slogan for the country. And you're like, wow, that, wow, they picked up everything and they're using it as their platform. So everything that's done in Texas, you see kind of reverberated there. And then we have this main character, Stephen, who goes to like March for Our Lives. And uh, he's an organizer for a lot of politically progressive events. Uh, it's just amazing to me. Like he he keeps his virtues, even when the guy he's running against initially for that position. He's what uh, he's a nationalist, right? In their party. They have two parties. Yeah, they're both nationalists, Stephen and okay. Robert. Or, well, there's Stephen runs against Robert, who is, Stephen's, like you mentioned, you know, very humble and a really great kid. Like, he's the kind of kid that you root for. 
And he runs against a guy in his own party named Robert, who is extremely vulgar, extremely immature, and sort of tries to honestly play the villain. It's it's almost Trump-like in the way that he will go into a room and then he will act completely different than if you sit him down in a one-on-one interview. Yeah. And then, and then of course, Steven is running ultimately against Ben, who is uh, the op- opposing party governor characters. The federalists yeah. and nationalists are facing off. And it is fascinating to see them like sit down in the interview and be like, yeah, that wasn't my belief. I just wanted to uh, do something the party would support. I didn't care about the guns at that moment. Um, but, um, it's very interesting to watch these boys just kind of be melded, not by their own beliefs, but by the beliefs that will get them further. Agreed wholeheartedly. And it was amazing to me that the filmmakers found the right kids. So when watching a Q&A about this, I learned that they had interviewed, you know, quite a few boys going into this, but because of the nature of it being only a week long, they had to really just pick some kids and essentially bet the farm on them and yeah. hope hope that they Makes got sense. content. Like they didn't know they were going to get kids that actually ended up being the two running against each other for governor. That's wild to me. I just figured they filmed a bunch of kids, but that's even more fascinating that they hooked right? their horse to Steven. And <laughs> it I is. Mean, we're not going to give away the ending, but of course he does end up in the, the final, uh, gubernatorial run there yeah ben steven and robert three main characters are the three that they followed throughout and they had different film crews that would rotate 24 hours a day i guess except for sleeping essentially Mm. to cover these three guys and then in the middle of it they found another character a guy named renee who ended up being a chairman and just this incredible incredible public speaker um with I, be, I, I mean, personally, I aligned with his way of thinking as well, but just of the course. way that the charisma that this kid, this kid, this high school kid had, it was like you could immediately look at this guy and go, you know, that's a Brene Brown in the making yeah. right there. He's going to be a motivational speaker, whether it's politics or something else, like he's the kind of guy who can inspire you. And so they picked him up and started following him along the way as well. Um, but yeah, it was just... The filmmakers were also talking about how they were a little worried going in because they said, you know, with a documentary, you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. That sometimes the people on camera, and especially with this being high school boys, they were worried they might be a little too performative. But that that was part of what they almost wanted to explore here was what is human behavior going to be like in front of a camera? Because that has a factor in real politics. And I think... Yeah. That shone through in this documentary and the way that we saw the boys act, knowing that there were cameras on them. Right. What are performative politics and uh, just what are they going to do under this high pressure situation? It was fascinating to me. Uh, I, I, I'd I, like to believe I would do the same thing as Stephen. But what do you do when you're a young teenage boy and you're looking for support and approval from your group? Uh, it's it's very interesting to me what happens. Uh, you said you're pretty new to like boys state as a concept. Have, have you heard of all the people that came through there? Um, I have not. Is it a is it a whole list of like who's oh, who? Yeah. Uh, most interesting to us maybe Roger Ebert, film critic, went what? through Boys State, right? Holy cow! Uh, Bill Clinton was okay. Went through Boys State. Um, Tom Brokaw, uh, famous reporters. Um, we have Neil Armstrong, um, uh, Bo Biden. I think that 
that's about topping off my memory there, but a lot of famous athletes. Michael Jordan, I think, was listed. Holy cow. No, yeah, I had no earthly idea that this thing even existed. I don't know how I feel, fully feel about it, to be honest. You know, yeah. after watching it, I I guess part of me says there's maybe some value in it of getting an experience but then it feels like it's almost cyclical like we're just giving yeah. experience in the way that the system is now and how does that evoke change but maybe it does maybe it gives people the opportunity maybe it gives these boys and girls the chance to see that it is this way and if i'm gonna change it i've got to do something different but there's there's a cynical part of watching this doc man there i is. mean that you just look at it and you're like we're effed as a country, you know, like it's never going to change. Like this is how politics is at every level, all the way down to this mock government for 16, 17 year olds. Um, but I feel like coming out of it, I, in the end, you still end up with some hope and yeah. there are certain boys that you really just see and you, you just want to believe that they're going to break the mold. Like these are the kind of boys that have a passion for true servanthood of government. I would say, yeah. That you want to see running for office a few years from now. I mean, I, I feel like I could vote for Renee or Stephen any time in, in any position. I'd feel pretty confident that those are the ideas I'd want to lead the country. I mean, um, you obviously get people that are interested in government, but what worries me most and where I feel most cynical is, um, all the young boys watching Trump, um, the people that decide they're going into government. What did they learn from that that made them want to go into government? Uh, what did they learn from this last cycle from 2016 to 2020 that made them really inspired? Uh, if it's not to change, I, I think it's very dangerous, whatever they took from this. Yeah, it is. One of the quotes that stuck out to me, I think, for like takeaways of what makes this important to see, just it's for all of these reasons, because you want people to understand that this is a microcosm of the American political system within our teenagers. And you know, evaluate that for yourself on, on how that makes you feel. But there was a quote from one of the boys. He said, the way politics are won in this country is as a party, as a team. And they made it clear, like, you couldn't win on your own. So it didn't matter what one person thought and, and how well one person could articulate their views unless they could get the rest of the people on their side and it just keeps reminding me of like what we go through all the time and we're, we're doing it right now with this damn stimulus package that's you know up for debate in the government it's it's a mm. matter of it's not a matter of everybody agreeing on the stimulus package it's a matter of like what can you put in this bill this pork like what can you do for me <laughs> before i vote for you so it's not even really all about the thing and we saw that happen in these yeah. guys fake legislatures and i was just like <laughs> no be pure please but but it's not it's just not and it's their last step toward adulthood so in some way it becomes a coming of age movie which is fascinating to me um documentaries i think most interesting to me because i like cinema verite anyway which is like any film that's shot like life and shot like within the confines of like a a more deconstructed uh reality um and i like films that deconstruct these realities so uh for me you have to be such a good filmmaker to get the shot the first time um, uh, with the documentary, the thing happens and then you don't get to go for a second take. Right. So uh, what's so impressive to me is this is perfectly shot. Uh, it's beautiful. It flows like a movie. It, it feels like a narrative film. Someone could make this about Steven and be like, this is a compelling narrative. You should make the movie anyway. 
doesn't have to be real, uh, but it is. So what do you think as far as award prospects go for this film? I know that we both had a really strong reaction to it. I like, I like you. <laughs> I was about to say, I like you. I do like you, but I, as you do, also have a strong love for documentaries in general. And so I've watched a lot of them and I tend to, I think, maybe overrate them sometimes or <laughs> inflate them because, because I care about the, medium so much i always learn something and so i yeah just come away with a feeling that this is maybe better it's hard to compare them where would you put this one in the documentaries you've seen so far in 2020 and considering its importance do you think that it's one that should have that long-lasting appeal when it comes to awards time i mean i have it in my top five films generally so it's a uh, it's high up for me um i have seen a lot of documentaries so um I'm not sure what other ones I've seen that could even make a push, though. Uh, Spaceship Earth, very interesting, but um, very special interest. Uh, the Painter and the Thief was interesting to me as well, about a, a painter who um, meets a thief of her own portrait and then starts painting him. I just don't see like a, a documentary push for one of these earlier ones. I'm sure there's some stuff still coming this year. I don't know if you have anything that you're looking for. No, I, you know, it's hard for me. I think that something like, the Last Dance is obviously, yeah. you know, a competitor, but it's it's a long form series style of yeah, doc that, and the doc that's series. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that could get a nomination. Otherwise, uh, I think that's probably the strongest piece of documentary we have this year. But this just incredible. I I think it, by the time we get to November, uh, people will latch onto this so strongly that it. Uh, I think it's almost inevitable especially depending on how this election cycle goes and what it feels like. Uh, this could be an inevitability for award season. Uh, I'm uh, writing in for my ballot now. Boys State. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I really am. I, I don't see it being topped. I think it is the perfect combination of cinema verite, an intriguing and timely topic being explored, and also entertainment. Like, it is... Yeah legitimately an in compelling fun emotional ride it's not just about learning something or gaining new insight it's all of these things it's kind of like a powerhouse the perfect blending of these things and when you add in the whole where we are in the world right now and what's going on with this november election and how that parallels with what we see in this and how important it is for the kids that we see doing this Boys State and, and all over the country, kids doing Boys State for them to come out of this thing, hopefully a little different than yeah. what we have in the system now. You know, it's it's a big deal. Um, and, I, and I hope people see it. I hope that it being on Apple TV is not uh, something that sways people away. I make this argument all the time, Calvin. I've done it all year. <laughs> so one of my other favorite films in the year is Greyhound, and it is also on Apple TV Plus. One of my favorite series that I watched this year is the morning show and it is on Apple TV plus folks. If you're listening, you can subscribe to Apple TV plus for five bucks for one month. That is less than the cost of most single rentals for a film. So for five bucks, you can devour amazing amount of content on Apple TV plus. They've got another great movie called the banker on there. Watch oh, it yeah. all. Spend one mo month and just watch it all. You know what I mean? Watch boy state. And then I mean if you, you don't have to keep it going. Just five bucks. I'd recommend For All Mankind, great space exploration yep. show. Yep. What if the Russians won the space race? And Servant, one of Shyamalan's uh, better works that's recent. Um, 
So there's plenty on Apple Plus. I mean, there's plenty for a month, and uh, this is worth more than ten bucks to watch. So uh, just get it for that. Yeah, good, good deal. Well, I I agree. Well, Calvin, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it. One last time before we go, why don't you tell people where they can find you on social media, where they can find the Twin Geeks, how they can get your stuff, how they can talk to you about your opinions online, all that stuff. At the Twin Geeks will be fine for Twitter. That'll be our site Twitter. And you can go to thetwingeeks.com for all our podcasts. Uh, The Twin Geeks cast is our podcast. Thanks so much for having me here. Glad to discuss Boy State. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Phil, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.